1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. It wouldn't be a Sunday if you weren't here listening to us on Money Wise every single Sunday morning at about 8.05 a.m. Thank you for being with us. Money Wise is brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. Today we're going to talk about a very important topic. We might throw in a little Irish humor for today, uh, just because it's a good time of year to do that. And I guess it's always a good time to do that, isn't it? Well, we're going to talk about something that's very important to everybody. How do you protect your family, particularly using life insurance? The funny thing is about life insurance, a lot of people think that it's a dirty word. They don't like to talk about it. They think life insurance, and they think, oh, why do I need life insurance? Well, today we're going to tell you why you might need life insurance. We're going to give you some real-life stories. And mostly, we're going to tell you everything that we can tell you in about an hour or a little bit less about how you can protect your family, the different kinds of life insurance, what it might cost you, and why it's really, really important to learn as much as you can about it. So, welcome to MoneyWise, and welcome to Trevor Williams from USA Wealth Group. Good Thanks, morning, Ray. Trevor. Good morning, and good morning, everybody. Trevor, I think this is your second visit with us on the radio. It is, yeah. Well, we're really excited to have you here today. Um, you're an experienced person doing podcasting. Mm-hmm. Now, you'll have to forgive me. Yep. Is it Digital Marketing Coordinator? It is. Ah, I got the title right. It. Trevor is the Digital Marketing Coordinator for USA Wealth Group and all the affiliated companies. And uh, he's doing a pretty amazing job. We're really thrilled to have him in the office. And I've actually learned a lot from you, Trevor. That's good to hear. I like I like teaching people new things. But I, I don't ever want to learn as much as you know. <laughs> Just as you probably don't want to know a lot about tax law, for it's example. It's a give and take. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, welcome. You know, one of the things that we like to ask people all the time is, how are, have you protected your family? What steps have you taken to protect your family? And we have a lot to talk about today. And I guess the most important question we want to start out with is, why do you need life insurance? Mm-hmm. You know, why would I need life insurance? How many situations, well, even in your short time of, of, of life, Trevor, you're a young man. Right. Um, I'm sure you've seen situations where people have died unexpectedly. Yeah. And we see it all the time in our office, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because it's a fact of life. But if you haven't prepared, sometimes it's too late to get life insurance. Mm -hmm. So here's a couple of thoughts that I have. I think everybody at a minimum should have some kind of funeral and burial insurance protection, a minimal amount of life insurance because even to come up with a ten or twelve thousand dollar amount, if you had to all of a sudden because somebody in your family died, where are you going to get the money if you don't have it put aside in savings or investments? Right. So you have to have insurance for lots of reasons. Um, we're going to talk today about the fact that life insurance can provide cash, and it doesn't have to be just when you die. We're going to talk about what if you have children. Well, if you have children and you haven't done something to protect yourself, then that's really very unfortunate. Right. We've seen people as young as 30 and 40 years of age pass away with young children, and they've done nothing. Mm -hmm. 
And how does the family protect themselves? My brother is in his 20s, and uh, he has a kid, and he's looking into life insurance already. So sure. Definitely something that you need. Well, you can get him some information. He doesn't have to do it through our office. But So anybody who's young and who has a child or children, if you don't have life insurance, then you're just not protecting your family. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of serious reasons to do it. And it's not necessarily just the husband who needs life insurance. Um, the wife in the relationship should also have life insurance. Because think if about having a young couple. Let's say they've got two kids. And they decide, well, it's time to get life insurance. Automatically, people think, well, I need to get life insurance on my husband because maybe his income is larger. Mm-hmm. And But what happens if something should go wrong with his wife if she should have a car accident right. or something happens to her mm-hmm. especially if they're both working too you're still losing out on that income and that's very common today isn't it right so it's, it's normal today or fairly common for both spouses in a relationship to be working and how does the husband replace his wife's income mm-hmm. if she's gone so the kids might qualify for some social security death benefits but that's not going to replace income from a working person right And he might need to think about having additional daycare so he can continue to work full-time. Lots and lots of reasons. So if you're married, if you're single. Now, you graduated recently from college, Trevor, Mm -hmm. uh, just within the last year, roughly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask you for a lot of personal information, but I'm sure that you've seen a lot of your classmates that have student loans. Yeah, including myself. Okay, so if you've got student loans, often it's the case that maybe your parents have co-signed on those loans Mm -hmm. in order for you to get them. Yeah, I think that's the case. So what happens if something happens to you? What happens to those student loans? They're going to have to deal with that. Your parents are now going to have to pay those loans. So even you at your age, you might not think you need life insurance because you're not presently married or anything Mm -hmm. of that nature. Um, You don't have children. Um, I assume. Yeah. Okay. So um, if something happened to you and the student loans outstanding and your parents are co-signers, mm-hmm. they're going to have to pay those loans. Right. So you might want to think about having a fairly inexpensive term life insurance policy so that if something happened to you, I bet for 30 or $40 a month, you could buy enough life insurance that would retire all of your student loans. That would be good, yeah. So, And it doesn't it work where um, the price is kind of based on your risk? It's based on risk. It's also based on your age. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used an example sometimes in the past, but um, my son Peter, who's in his early 40s, has a $1 million life insurance policy on his life. It's a term policy. Mm-hmm. I believe it was for a 20-year term. And it's about... Fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars a year, a little over a hundred dollars a month for mm-hmm. him. He's got three kids. Right. A little over a hundred dollars a month for him to carry a one million dollar life insurance policy, and the premium stays exactly the same for the whole twenty year term. Oh wow! His wife is about half of that. She's also has a one million dollar life insurance policy on her life, and again, three children in the family. Mm-hmm. But she works and. My son works. They both have an income and a salary. And life insurance is often more about how do you replace the income for somebody. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. 
But in her case, her $1 million life insurance policy is costing about $750 a year. It's about a hundred and a little over $160 a quarter, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cheap. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's probably only about $60 to $70 a month to carry a $1 million policy. Yeah, that's not bad. It protects the family. It protects the kids. It can be used to pay off a mortgage on a house. Lots of things can be done. Um, what if you perhaps have a mortgage on your house and you're both working, husband and wife are working, Maybe you'd like to be able to have your surviving spouse be able to stay in the house mm-hmm. and not have to sell it and move to something less expensive. But the surviving spouse can't afford it because there's a mortgage to pay. Right. So if you have insurance that's just designed to pay off the mortgage, then there's a lot more flexibility for the surviving spouse to decide, can they afford to stay there? Do they want to stay there? But they don't have to make sudden moves to do that. And as I've said, I think it's critically important that everybody should have a minimal amount of insurance just to pay funeral and burial expenses. Mm -hmm. And that can be really inexpensive. We just don't know today. I've I've seen too many situations of people unexpectedly having something happen to them. And um, so if you have any kind of debts, credit cards, mortgage, anything of that nature that should be paid off, maybe that's a good measuring stick for how much insurance you might want to carry. so anything can happen. It makes financial sense. You might want it for charity. Um, let's talk for a minute about what kinds of life insurance policies there are. Okay. So you've heard of term insurance. Yep. So even before recording this show today and coming on the air and talking about insurance, just before I left, I had a phone call from a company that's based out of Kansas. I had reached out to them. And we're probably going to pick them up as another insurance carrier that we'll work with. It's called mm-hmm. Kansas City Life. Uh, very interesting company. Uh, they offer um, term insurance and all different kinds of insurance. And um, they offer policies that are something I hadn't really focused on a lot before. It's called a term policy with a return of premium rider. So what that means really simply, everybody's heard of term insurance. Mm -hmm. Term insurance is for a particular term. So I'm skipping a little bit ahead of my little outline here if I'm confusing you. But it was, it's really a powerful concept. And here's the idea. Um, If you buy term insurance, let's say in my case for a a 20 year term, Mm -hmm. I have a policy and I pay, let's say I pay a thousand dollars a year for my policy. Yep. I'm actually paying a bit more than that. And if I reach the end of the term, term insurance at that point becomes very expensive. You don't want to typically continue it. They say, well, yes, you could have insurance to age 100, Mm -hmm. but now the premium might go from $1,000 a year to $8,000 a year. Wow. And it's no longer affordable, and it literally goes up that high. So a lot of people drop term insurance, uh, less than 2% of term insurance, is ever collected or ever paid out. It's for a temporary period only, Mm -hmm. like when kids are in school. Maybe you wanna get a 20-year term policy if you've got kids that are young and they're in school. So it covers them through the age of college, for example. But at the end of the term, you don't necessarily have to carry that insurance, but it's so unaffordable at that point that most people drop it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, most term insurance never pays out. 
What if instead at the end of the term, maybe you paid a little bit more than $1,000 a month? Maybe you paid a thousand, I mean, a thousand dollars a year. Maybe you paid a thousand and fifty dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Well, that extra fifty dollars is going into an investment account as well. What happens at the end of the term with a return of premium is they'll pay you back one hundred percent of all the dollars you paid into the premium cost. So you have the insurance protection during the term. Uh, at the end of the term, when you no longer need it. Mm-hmm. It's not like you've just wasted all this money that's been spent, which is what happens with most term policies. Right. Instead, it comes back to you. You get all your money back. So it's like a forced savings account in a way, too. That is useful, yeah. Yep. Um, is there any kind of insurance that maybe you could do instead of that, though? Yes, we can do whole life. We can do universal life insurance. We can do uh, index universal life. There are a lot of different variations. Mm-hmm. Let me just mention um, who the parties are in a life insurance policy. Okay. So obviously you have to have somebody whose life is being insured, right? Right. And they're called the insured. Um, And it's always gonna be an individual. It's not gonna be a company that's insured because the company doesn't have a life expectancy, only a person does. But then you have to have somebody who owns the policy. Mm -hmm. So it can be you yourself, you can own your own policy or you can have somebody else own the policy. Um, You can have a trust own the life insurance policy. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. If you're in business for yourself, you might have a buy-sell agreement between two owners, let's say two partners in a company. Mm -hmm. And their buy-sell agreement says, gee, if one of us dies, we don't want to have to do business with the spouse of the person who died. Right. They don't know anything about the business. We're not gonna have them come in and help run the business. Mm -hmm. And we don't wanna sell the business. So how can we provide enough money to buy out the interest of the person who's just died and still be able to continue the business? Right. So the insurance company can own a life insurance policy on the lives of each of the two partners. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can pay the premiums. You can also do what's called a cross ownership buy sell agreement, which case, each person, each partner in the relationship will own a policy on the life of the other. And if one partner dies, the insurance proceeds get collected on the person who died, and then Mm -hmm. the money gets used to buy out the interest so that their family gets taken care of, they cash out of the business, but the surviving owner gets to continue the business. Right. Okay. So it's called a cross-ownership or a cross-purchase agreement. I actually just recently heard about um, companies taking out insurance on like their higher up employees because they want to, um, if they lose that person, they're worth a certain amount to them in right. revenue, Yep, which I thought was kind of interesting. It is interesting. Sometimes that's actually called key man life insurance or mm-hmm. key woman life insurance. So if you have a highly paid executive, they've been with a company for a while, a few years, and all of a sudden the person dies unexpectedly, how do you replace that person? Right. You might have to bring in somebody on a temporary basis, but more often than not, it's, it's simply a perk. It's an additional benefit mm-hmm. to this highly paid executive in addition to their salary and their health insurance and their company paid car. Right. Um, the family gets a life insurance death benefit because again, what happens when that person dies? What happens to their income? It stops. It stops. The income stops. 
So here's a family that's been dependent upon the lifestyle of whoever this executive is, and all of a sudden, there's no more income. Right. So this large life insurance policy can be used, and it can be company paid, mm-hmm. and it's an additional perk. But guess what, Trevor? What? It doesn't have to be just a really very expensive corporation. Mm-hmm. Even small business owners can do the same thing. Oh. And uh, especially if there's more than one owner in the company. Right. So um, in our office at USA Wealth Group, we do that kind of work. If anything that we've talked about so far is of interest and you want more information, give us a call at 508-998-8858. We've got lots of good information, and it never costs anything to come in and talk about it Mm -hmm. or get some quotations. So an individual can own a policy. Um, A lot of times people say, well, gee, maybe what I should do is I should have Uh, If I'm a man, maybe I should have my wife own the policy on my life, and I'm going to own the policy on her life. And they think that it helps them to own, to cross-own the life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily do anything for you as far as taxes are concerned. Um, We're going to talk about taxes in just a minute. Okay. But the other fairly common way to own life insurance policies is in a trust. So... I have a life insurance trust that mm-hmm. owns my life insurance policy on my life. I'm not the owner of the trust. I'm not the trustee of the trust. I'm not the owner of my own policy. I'm just the insured. Okay. So we started out by saying you have to have an insured, right. an insurance policy. It's an individual. Mm-hmm. You have to have an owner. They don't have to be the same. Then you have to have a beneficiary. Who's going to get the money? Who's going to get the proceeds? Mm-hmm. Well, there might be reasons why you don't want to have certain individuals become the beneficiary of a policy. That's where a trust can come into effect. So for example, um, let's say I have a policy on Peter's life, or Peter, my son, has a life insurance policy on his life. Right. Um, His policy is actually owned in a trust, a life insurance trust. He's not the trustee of the trust. Mm -hmm. His wife is not the trustee of the trust. I am the trustee of his trust. Okay. And his wife's policy is exactly the same. Her policy is owned in a life insurance trust. Peter, his, Peter, her husband, is not the trustee of the trust. I'm the life insurance trustee. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is if something happens to either one of them, the money gets collected, this large life insurance policy, the money goes into the trust, and now there's a third party. It's me, or perhaps it can be my wife as right. successor trustee. And the purpose is to have an outside party to help manage those funds for taking care of the family, mm-hmm. but also taking care of the kids and make sure money is held aside for the kids to be educated. So let's pick on my son today, Peter. Okay. He's not here. We can, we can talk about <laughs> it. So let's say that um, Peter dies. Uh, no, let's do it the other way around. Let's say that Jen dies first. Mm-hmm. And there's a million dollars of life insurance policy that goes into this trust. Well, one of the things we could do is to say, let's pay off the mortgage on the house because now you're only going to have one income coming in. Right. Peter's income, he's no longer going to have his wife's income. It's going to be more difficult to pay expenses, pay the mortgage. So maybe we'll use part of that money to pay off the mortgage. Mm -hmm. And then... Because they've had two income, they pay sports fees for baseball or for dancing for you know their daughter and that sort of stuff. Right. 
So the money is less. So now the trust could be used to pay for that. And maybe now some of the kids are going to go to school, are going to go to college, and money could be used to help pay for that. Mm -hmm. And by the way, because that's owned in a separate trust, it's not going to count against the kids for financial aid purposes. Okay, that's useful. Very useful. It's also not includable in their estate. Mm -hmm. So right now, if Peter and Jen were in a common accident together for tax purposes, um, with $2 million worth of life insurance, very affordable, mm -hmm. then they have a $2 million estate if it goes directly to their beneficiaries or their estates. And everything over a million dollars in Massachusetts is subject to Massachusetts estate tax. Mm -hmm. But guess what? If it's owned in the trust, it's not going to be part of their estate for estate tax purposes. Okay. And not only that, there's one other really important piece of the equation why we wouldn't want to have each other in that relationship be a beneficiary and then name their kids as secondary beneficiaries. Because how old are the kids? Right. They, kids are minors. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't ever want to have young children necessarily become direct beneficiaries yeah. in a large life insurance They policy. don't have the financial experience to deal with that amount of money. Well, they're too young. They're minors. Somebody would have to go into court and be named their legal guardian to manage the mm -hmm. money for them, although they have estate plans. So a lot of times there's a lot of good reasons to have a trust become the owner. And when we look at people, sometimes we'll find out they already have a life insurance policy and we'll say to them, you know what, you have enough assets that's going to put you over this million dollar limit and some of this money is going to get wasted for Massachusetts estate tax. Mm -hmm. Why don't we take that policy and transfer it into a life insurance trust and get it out of your estate? Right. So lots and lots of reasons to think about these things. Uh, Susie Orman, who's a well-known financial commentator, once said, if a child, a spouse, a life partner, or a parent depends on you and your income, you need life insurance. So it's not just yeah. me talking about it, but a lot of people realize that Life insurance can be a very important part of your uh, protection for your family. And um, uh, something about beneficiaries, because we just talked about beneficiaries. One other quotation from Susie Armand. I want to be clear here. It does not matter what you say in your will or your trust. The beneficiary document attached to your IRA accounts and your life insurance policy overrides what you say elsewhere. If you want to change the beneficiary, you must change the beneficiary document. Mm -hmm. So if you have existing life insurance, you really ought to make sure that you know who the beneficiaries are as right. well. So there are a lot of ways to own life insurance. Um, are you healthy, Trevor? I would say so. Good. And lately even more so because I've finally gotten myself back into the gym. Good. So, so what are you doing for exercise in the gym? Um, I run two miles Excellent. as fast as I can. <laughs> And uh, I've, good. I've gotten down to 14 minutes, which isn't that great by track standards, mm -hmm. but by my standards, that's pretty good. I think it's good. It's faster than I could do, <laughs> although I'm a bit older than you are. Right. Actually, I could be your father or your grandfather. Yeah. You don't have to be so agreeable. <laughs> <laughs> that's just my demeanor, I think. I think it is. <laughs> well, we're uh, talking with Trevor, who's our uh, digital marketing coordinator for USA Wealth Group. Uh, you can reach him, by the way, at 508-998-8858. So the reason I asked you about whether you were healthy wasn't just a curiosity question. Mm -hmm. 
I'm assuming it has to do with life insurance. It has to do with life insurance, mm-hmm. right. Because you have to be insurable to get life insurance. Right. I'm going to ask you a question I don't know the answer to. Uh, do you smoke? I don't. Good. All right. See, I didn't know the answer to that. <laughs> so if you smoke, you're going to pay more for life insurance. If you consume a lot of alcohol, we won't go there, um, <laughs> you're going to pay more for life insurance. If you have medical issues or medical history, you're going to pay more for life insurance. But you have to go through um, the life insurance underwriting process to do that. Um, we started out today talking about term insurance because term insurance is sometimes called pure insurance. It's the simplest form of insurance for people to understand. It's the least expensive. We're going to recommend people take a look at term insurance that will return your premium at the end of the term if you haven't collected on it. Mm-hmm. The best way to benefit from term insurance is if you die before the end of the term. Right. That's the best bargain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help you, but it, it's the best yeah, economic Yeah, it bargain. helps everyone else after you. So we're going to come back in a minute, and I want to talk about the other different kinds of life insurance and how you can qualify for it. I'm going to mention a particular book that I think is very useful to talk about life insurance. And we're going to talk about how to apply for life insurance and some other really important things that everybody ought to know. And remember, it's all about protecting your income. It's all about income protection. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and continue talking about life insurance. Welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. It's so good to have you here this Sunday morning. We're talking about a very important subject that everybody needs to know something about. And it's amazing in our office how many people ask questions about life insurance. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you a question. Uh, This is to our audience. Do you currently own any life insurance on you or your spouse? Do you know what kind of a policy it, it is? Is it a term policy, a whole life, a variable universal life, a universal index life policy, index universal life policy. Do you know how much the current death benefit is? Sometimes, for example, policies, if you're building up equity and you're building up cash value, some policies are designed to create additional death benefit if you have that as a particular writer. Do you know any, have any idea how much you're currently paying every month or every quarter or every year? And do you think it's the right amount of coverage? Because if you can't answer those questions, then we highly recommend you bring in your most recent insurance statement and bring in your policy, and we can answer questions. We'll be happy to do a free analysis for you. You know, um, we're talking with Trevor Williams this morning, who's the digital marketing coordinator for USA Wealth Group. Do you know that you can trade one life insurance policy for another, Trevor? I didn't. Uh, That's actually interesting to know. It's called a 1035 tax-free exchange. Can you do that in the middle of one? Yes. Okay. You can do it as a tax-free event. So we've had a couple of situations, for example, and this is important for anybody listening. You can take an existing policy. I've done this with a couple in Freetown, for example. The husband had a $75,000 policy. Mm -hmm. It was a whole life policy, but he had built up some cash value in it. Let's just say it was $20,000, for example. Okay. And what I said to him is I said, so you've got a $75,000 policy, but you've got $20,000 already built up in this policy as cash value. That means the insurance company is really on the hook only for the difference, only for $55,000. That's their risk. And they've been working with your money all this time and investing it. Right. 
And I said, but the other thing is, you're still paying premiums, you're still healthy. You might be able to trade that policy in in a tax-free exchange, no tax consequences, and get a larger death benefit and maybe not even have to pay any more premiums. Ooh, and we did that. We got him a $150,000 fully paid up life insurance policy with no more premiums to pay. So number one, we doubled his death benefit. Mm-hmm. And number two, he doesn't have to pay premiums anymore. What a great opportunity. That is a really good opportunity. We did the same thing for his wife. She had a smaller policy and we did the same thing. We we increased significantly the value of her policy. Mm-hmm. So we saved the family the cost of having to pay life insurance premiums on two policies. Wow. And double the death benefit. Yeah, that's a, nice. A great result. Um, we're happy to look at that. Um, we've seen policies sometimes where people will have, just hypothetically, they might have a $50,000 policy and they've got $40,000 of cash value built up in it, mm-hmm. which is a lot of cash value. Older policies will tend to do that. Right. And we'll say, so your insurance company really only has $10,000 of exposure here for you. Um, the other thing you can do with a life insurance policy that has cash value is you can trade it into an annuity. And that might be a better benefit mm-hmm. because over time, the life insurance policy is never going to continue to accumulate that much. And it's really not going to be worth more than $50,000 for the most part. Right. But the annuity could continue to grow even larger. So you, again, you can do a tax-free exchange for that. Um, so uh, one of the more interesting characters in the past has been Woody Allen. And he said, there are worse things in life than death. Have you ever spent an evening with an insurance salesman? <laughs> now, we don't like to think of ourselves as insurance salesmen. Right. And we don't go out to people's homes at night to be insurance salesmen. Or like go door to door selling. No, they used to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I feel like I've heard of that before. Yeah, they were called debit salesmen. Um, see, Michael Alexa Farris in our community here was very famous for that. and. He worked for Prudential for many years. He was the number one Prudential salesman in the country. Wow. Operating out of New Bedford. And at that time, they had a lot of debit policies, and you'd literally go door to door and collect a dollar a week Mm -hmm. towards somebody's life insurance policy. It's not done that way anymore. Right. And a lot of companies now have minimum amounts. Some companies say, we don't want to do a policy unless it's at least $100,000 minimum. Well, Here's another little quotation about insurance. Insurance is the only product that both the seller and the buyer hope is never actually used. <laughs> That's true, too. Think about that yeah. one. But um, anyway, uh, let's come back to underwriting just a little bit. So the process of going through uh, insurance is, is fairly straightforward. You do an application. If it's fairly simple insurance, um, you can buy some policies that don't even require you to do a medical exam, um, a lot of policies will require. I've had people come to my office and I actually laid down on top of a conference table and had blood drawn and blood pressure taken and things like that. Wow. They'll come to your office and they'll take your blood pressure. They might mm-hmm. take a urine sample, a blood sample, a medical history, and then it goes back to the lab. Um, but underwriting is simply a process of doing a medical exam, doing a blood test, Sometimes if you have medical history, they'll require something called an attending physician certificate. They want to get a statement from your doctors. So that can take a little longer because 
a lot of times the doctor's offices are slow in getting back with the reports. Right. They say, oh, we're just too busy. Um, I bet you didn't know that if you apply for insurance, especially if you apply for a larger amount, they're going to check the registry of motor vehicles and see if you have any uh, adverse driving history. I did not know that, but that does make sense. Makes sense. So if you're somebody who has a history of speeding, mm-hmm. you're a higher risk. Good thing I, I don't have a history of speeding. <laughs> but I bet a lot of people don't know that, but they can yeah. check your financial records. They can do a credit check on you to see if you pay your bills or if you don't pay your bills or if you've defaulted on something. So they look at a, a lot of stuff. And here's something that people don't know. There's something called the MIB, um, and it's an insurance bureau, and it's a national database of every single insurance inquiry that has ever been made on you. Oh. So if you think, well, I went to this one insurance company and I applied for insurance and I didn't tell them about visiting the doctor's office last year. Mm-hmm because I don't want them to know that, or I don't want them to know that, you know, I had to go to the emergency room for something. Right. Um, if that's in your medical history, they're gonna pick it up. Oh, so there's there's and hiding. They're gonna you find it out. You can't hide anything from them. The other thing is if you smoke, or if you say you don't smoke, like you told me you don't smoke, right? Um, and they take samples of blood and the urine, they're able to find out whether you actually smoke and you, you've mm-hmm. been lying to them. Right. And um, so a lot of these things will impact, but there is a process called underwriting. You have to be truthful when you go through it. And um, you have to give all the information. And all that means is that you may not get a preferred rating, which is the best rating, the cheapest rates. Mm -hmm. You might have a standard rating if you have medical history or some other problems. Or if you have more serious issues, you can still qualify for insurance but now you might become what they call rated. You'll have a rating because you've got some issues. And again, it doesn't mean you won't get insurance. Right. It may just cost you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so we, we see all kinds of situations, but the underwriting process is kind of interesting. It does take a little time, and um, it's just something that we have to go through. There are companies that will say no insurance exam necessary. For example, some of the companies that we're working with to do funeral and burial insurance will um, do a $10,000 policy with no exam. Mm -hmm. They'll ask you two questions. Are you currently confined to a nursing home? Um, And have you ever been diagnosed with Alzheimer's? They'll ask you a couple of questions like that. And if you can answer no, you're Mm -hmm. not in a nursing home, you can buy maybe a $10,000 life insurance policy for death benefit purposes. Okay. And um, so there are lots of different things about this. and it's interesting. So we talked about term insurance. Uh, there's another kind of insurance called universal life insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this gives uh, death protection, um, guaranteed premium levels, and um, the you can build up cash value in there. You can use the cash value in any kind of a permanent insurance policy, mm-hmm. which is whole life, universal life, index universal life. They're designed to build cash value. Um, we don't ever like to see people simply say, give me the cash value out of my policy. Mm-hmm. We'd rather have you borrow the money from the insurance company. And you can either borrow it from your own cash value or you can take a general loan from the insurance company's own resources, which is an even better way to do it. Right. 
And that way it's a loan. It's not considered income to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I should mention one other very important tax fact about life insurance. Um, and a lot of people get confused about this one. Let's say I have a $50,000 life insurance policy on my life, and Trevor, I name you as my beneficiary, and you get the $50,000 death benefit when I die. Okay. Do you think that's going to be income to you? Um, I don't think so. I'm no, not sure. It's not. Okay. So life insurance death proceeds, death benefit, are never considered income to the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, gee, I just got some insurance, so I'm going to have to report it in my income tax. No. Right. It's exempt. It's it's one of the benefits in our tax code. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a large policy, it could c- count against you in your estate because it can be part of your taxable estate, which is why we talked earlier about maybe using a trust, for example. Right. But death benefits from a life insurance policy are never income to the beneficiary. That's Very a, important. Yeah. Index universal life is another form of uh, life insurance policy where the amount of money that you're going to earn is tied into the performance of an index, like Mm -hmm. the S&P 500 index, for example. And again, you can use cash value that you build up as a loan, or you can apply it to premium payments in the future. You can use it as collateral for a loan if you needed to borrow money from some outside source. you can use the money for retirement. You can use the money for any purpose that you want, travel, retirement, um, travel, um, education. Variable universal life is another kind of policy where basically it's invested in mutual funds. So mm-hmm. you're essentially participating in the stock market. And um, we like the idea of either permanent insurance, which is indexed, mm-hmm. um, because you have a safer method of accumulating cash without having to have any stock market risk. Now, is there a certain way to determine which type of life insurance would be best to have? Yes, um, the easier way to handle that or answer that question is to say, um, sit down with us Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about the concepts. Some people say, gee, I don't wanna spend a lot of money on life insurance. Well, maybe term insurance is best for them. Right. And then sometimes we'll uh, ask the question, is it important that this insurance be there only for this very specific term, time period? Mm -hmm. Or do you want it to be there for life and do you want it to be there when you die? Right. And that will be a determination. So it's unique to every person. It is, yep. So one of the things that I was doing today and doing a little research for this show is I was uh, looking at some um, quotations from some famous Irish writers, Irish authors, Irish characters, and so forth. And Oliver Goldsmith um, once said, for example, I love everything that's old. Old friends, old times, old manners, old books, old wine. And I kind of like that one. Mm -hmm. What I found over the years is that a lot of um, Irish humor tends to be a little on the dark side. Yeah. There's there's sort of a dark element to Mm -hmm. it. so William Butler Yeats, who was a famous writer, said, being Irish, he had an abiding sense of tragedy which sustained him through temporary periods of joy. <laughs> that sort of describes an Irish personality in uh, many ways. Um, we'll have some other ones in a few minutes. So I've talked a little bit about the different kinds of life insurance. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about the importance of having something to protect. 
Um, one of the questions that comes up a lot, Trevor, is how much insurance do I need? Yeah. And sometimes that translates into how much protection do you need? Um, how much income do you need to replace? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a gentleman who was up in the Northbridge area who came to see me, um, and he had a very high income. He was making $300,000 a year. His wife was a stay-at-home mother mm-hmm. and wife. They had three kids, and his income was really significant. He was making $300,000 a year yeah, of income. Yeah, that, that is significant. And I asked him about insurance, and he had a $300,000 life insurance policy through work, which exactly covered one year's worth of salary. Right. And I said, you've got three young kids. I said, you're grossly underinsured. I said, you're talking about replacing your income for one year only. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we talked about it. We ended up doing a $2 million life insurance policy wow. on him. Um, so that he could replace his income for some period of time, right. give his family a chance to adjust and settle. Um, so you really have to look in terms of income. Um, the other thing to tell you is that what happens today in many policies um, is people say, well, what about long-term care? Can I use my life insurance policy to pay for long-term care mm-hmm. if I have to go into a nursing home? So older policies don't have these benefits in them. Newer policies that are done now, which is why we sometimes talk about exchanging policies that are old for newer ones, have in them what's called a living benefit. And the living benefits amount to the following things. The newer newer policies today will say, well, gee, first of all, if you become disabled, there's a waiver of premium. You don't have to pay the premiums anymore if you're disabled. That makes sense. You don't have the income. You can't afford to pay the cost of it. Um, what if you have to go to a nursing home? You don't have long-term care insurance, but you've got a $200,000 life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Well, now they have a living rider benefit uh, or living benefit that says if you have to go to a nursing home, now you can activate essentially the death benefit that you're going to get when you die, mm-hmm. and you can take it out earlier, and you can use that okay. money to pay some nursing home costs, right. for example. That's another good reason to want to think about yeah, that's useful. going to a different kind of a policy. Mm-hmm. So now, let's say one person goes to the nursing home. They say, how are we going to pay for this? And rather than cash out the life insurance policy, you can activate the living benefits and you can use proceeds that you would otherwise receive at death mm-hmm. and use that to help pay some long-term care costs. Many, many examples. Um, of when you can do that, would be happy to describe that. And, you know, give us a call anytime at 508-998-8858. We like to say that living benefits riders give uh, peace of mind because the newer policies have kept up with what modern needs are for people. Right. The older policies, if they're really old, uh, we're anticipating that people were going to die younger, mm-hmm. but now folks are living longer. Right. And so there can be value in the older policies sometimes. So life insurance with long-term care is uh, very popular today. And um, it's, it's a way to make sure that your family is, full, is more fully protected. Um, I guess I'd like to say maybe one more little thing about living benefits. And it allows you to be 
using money for educating kids in some circumstances mm-hmm. too. So let's say you haven't saved enough money for college, but you've got a life insurance policy. If you have the right kind of life insurance policy, you can activate what essentially would be future death benefits mm-hmm. and pull some of that money out uh, for education or emergency or any other similar purpose. Right. So, but then that would that would take away for the payout in the future. Yes, it would take out the death benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's it's life insurance that you don't have to die in order to use. Okay. So it's it's a much more compatible kind of policy to use uh, today. Yeah, it's a little more flexible, it seems. Right. Um, Kenneth Branagh. Did you ever hear of Kenneth Branagh? Yeah. He's a very famous actor. I actually, um, in high school, watched him in Hamlet. Oh. I saw him in Henry V. Okay. Henry V is a great play, by the way, mm-hmm. and he does a phenomenal job. Uh, but he said, being Irish, I always have this love of words. He's sort of a classic example of that mm. when you think of it. Yeah. Uh, here's an Irish blessing I bet you've never heard. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more and nothing but happiness come through your door. I have not heard that, but yeah, I like that. You probably heard some of the other ones. Yeah. One of the questions I like to ask people a lot um, has to do with um, how much income is coming into your family and um, I want to ask a couple of sort of key questions that I think everybody needs to think about when you're thinking about life insurance in general. Mm-hmm. And by the way, give us a call. We'd be happy to make recommendations, suggestions, analyze what you have already. Can you do better? Can it cost you less? Can you get more benefits? So here's a question for you, Trevor, I want to ask you. Okay. Um, what's the most important thing in your life? Uh, family. Family, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people say children or family, but most people say family. Yeah, Yeah, it is. And I don't have kids yet, so it's just a general family for me. Well, there's still time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Down the road. So here's a question I like to ask people when they tell me that family is the most important thing. Does your planning show that your family is the most important thing in your life? That's a good point. Have you done your estate plan? More importantly, have you done something with insurance perhaps to take care of your income? Mm -hmm. So... This is not a question designed for you, but just for our audience. Okay. If you were to die tonight, and you might, what is the first thing that happens tomorrow? If you're married and you've got two incomes, well, your spouse's income is going to stop. Mm-hmm. And so how much income from that person's uh, salary are you going to need to continue to support your family? Right. Well, most people are going to say, well, I need all of it. And how long would you need it? Would you need it for just one year? Would you need it for five years? Would you mm-hmm. need it for 10 years? And so if family is the most important thing, then you need to say, I need that person's income that I depend upon. And let's say it's a two income family. Right. I need it for another five years. I need it for 10 years. I need it at least to the time period when my kids are gonna be through school right. and provide for them. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's a question that we sometimes ask about Social Security. If you're getting two Social Security checks and one stops because the person has died, you're only going to get one check. You'll get the larger of the two. Mm-hmm. But if that income stops, what are you going to do? Well, one of the ways you can protect about that, obviously, is to think about replacing the income with a life insurance benefit 
that's going to supplement, it's going to pay the income that you're going to need for that time period that you're talking about. Right. So um, that's what life insurance does. Life insurance is designed to protect. And don't think of life insurance as just this windfall benefit that's going to provide lump sum. It might pay off a mortgage. Mm -hmm. It might pay off debt. But the most important thing it's going to do is replace income for right. the person who has just passed away. And I think that's a, an important way to think about it because when I was thinking about life insurance, I did kind of think of it as just like a temporary, temporary helping um, amount of money. But the fact that it has so many other things that it can do that I didn't even know it could do is useful. Well, um, I, I think it's probably been illuminating for you today as Definitely, well yeah. uh, to learn something. Um, I have to give you another great death quote since okay. we're talking about life insurance. Yeah. This is from uh, Clarence Darrow. I never wanted to, to see anybody die, but there are a few obituary notices I've read with pleasure. <laughs> That's uh, one of my more favorite ones. And then also one of my favorites is Mark Twain. Let us endeavor to live our life that when we come to die, even the undertaker will be sorry. Oh, I like that one. That is a positive. Yeah. And then the last quotation for today will be from Mark Twain. I did not attend his funeral, but I wrote a nice letter saying I approved it. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, participating, uh, Trevor Williams. Of course. And thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. If anything that we've said today has uh, touched a possible need in your family, um, this is the time to simply call and make an appointment. See me, see Peter Lance, see anybody in the office. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. And most importantly, thank you for listening and do something to protect your family. We'll see you again next week on the radio.